In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Those of you who may pay extra attention to the scripture readings that we use on Sundays uh, will notice or will have noticed that the Episcopal Church changed the official list of readings appointed for Sundays just a few years ago. In the back of the Book of Common Prayer, there is a listing of readings. We call it a lectionary. It's arranged in a three-year cycle, years A, B, and C. And that's where you can find what the readings are for a given Sunday. Except that it's different now. In 2006, the General Convention voted to adopt what's called the Revised Common Lectionary, which replaces the one in the back of the prayer book. Uh, Why any of this matters and is of any interest whatsoever is because sometimes we tend to associate a special reading from Scripture with a particular day. And with the new readings, we will sometimes be met with surprises. Especially that happens today, on All Saints Day. We no longer begin with those majestic, beautiful words from Ecclesiasticus. Now remember, Ecclesiasticus is a book that's different from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiasticus is tucked into the Apocrypha. And we usually don't read from it very much at all. But especially in All Saints Day. We would hear that beautiful, beautiful reading, let us now sing the praises of famous men, our ancestors and their generations. They would go on to recount famous men and women, those who have ruled in their kingdoms, those who gave counsel because they were intelligent, those who composed musical tunes or put verses in writing. It goes on, it's beautiful. It's from Ecclesiasticus 44. If you really want to hear it again, we'll read it for Veterans Day next week. We do still get a bit of the revelation to John. It's misnamed in your bulletin leaflet today. Don't be thrown. It's the revelation of John. We get that symbolism of a new Jerusalem, a new heaven and earth. But what we don't get this year, what we don't get on All Saints Day anymore, is the Beatitudes for the Gospel. That particular gospel that was easy for any preacher on All Saints Day because the gospel reading sort of writes its own sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, on and on it goes. A part of me misses those older readings, you might have noticed. But I also like the newer ones. Not only do they keep the preacher on his or her toes, but they help us hear things in new ways. Today's reading especially, this year in which we get Martha and Mary, it's just as good if not better than those other readings. Better, I think, because Martha and Mary are so real. They're as real as you and me. Often the church oversimplifies Martha and Mary. We hear that story about Jesus eating in their home with their brother Lazarus, and we can almost picture it. Martha is the busy one in the kitchen, getting things done, following her list, getting the food on the table. And there Mary is just sort of hanging out, soaking up Jesus, doing nothing. 
It's a scene played out every Thanksgiving in households <laughs> the worldwide. It's played out in every ch- church kitchen, probably, every Sunday morning. The church has tried to make the most of those two extreme pictures and to suggest that perhaps Martha symbolizes the active spiritual life. Some of us are more Martha than not, while Mary represents the contemplative spiritual life. Some of us are more Mary than not. But in today's gospel, today's reading with Martha and Mary as their brother Lazarus has died, we see both Martha and Mary in full strength, full humanity, No thin, veiled, ambiguous characters here. I love that in the reading that we heard, Mary sees Jesus, and yes, she honors him as a teacher and a friend, a a holy one, perhaps, but she doesn't hold back. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Had we read earlier in chapter 11 of the same gospel, we would have heard Martha say the same thing. Martha doesn't even wait for Jesus to get in the house. She sort of yells it as she sees him coming. Jesus, had you been here, this wouldn't have happened. How dare you? You've left us. I love what that shows us about Mary and Martha. They're secure enough in their relationship with Jesus. Jesus, their friend. Jesus, their Lord. Jesus, their Savior. Jesus, God with them that they can get angry with him. They can get frustrated with God. They can be hurt or disappointed. They can question God. This is precisely what a saint does. This is exactly what a saint is. The New Testament uses that word saint, or the word we translate as saint, very freely. It doesn't refer just to someone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and dies because of that faith and then rises in heaven and is someone famous ever after. Instead, the Apostle Paul uses the word saint to describe any believer in Jesus, any believer. In his letter to the Romans, he says, to all God's beloved who are called to be saints. When Paul writes to the letter at Corinth to try to help them sort out their squabbles, Paul suggests that the aggrieved parties not go to court, not sue each other, but go before the saints, which is to say, take it into the open, take it into the community of the faithful. Let others help you sort it out. And then in Revelation, St. John the Divine shows us various pictures of saints, some who have died for their faith, but others who have simply died natural deaths. All of them, though ordinary believers whose lives are made extraordinary by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a great and glorious company that John tells us about. This great multitude which no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. Martha and Mary are saints too. But more than anything else, a saint does what Martha and Mary show us how to do. Talk honestly with Jesus. It might be in prayer, in a formal setting. It might be more casual, as we imagine him next to us, 
in the car, on the metro, in the middle of the meeting for a dangerous or, or precarious deal. Jesus is with us. He wants us to be honest and to be ourselves with him. Just as we remembered a few weeks ago at a funeral, the faithful response to death is rarely a dressed-up piety that remains quiet and sweet in the face of something difficult. Faithful people will wail at their bereavement and rail at God all at the same time. Faithful people used to tear their clothes. Sometimes we tear up other things. Faithful people will respond as humans, because that's how we've been created. Jesus wept human tears when he heard that his friend Lazarus had died. And so we too weep human tears in the face of death. On All Saints Day, I always think of one of my favorite hymns. It's a children's hymn, really, and it doesn't make the cut in um, educated liturgical circles because it's a little too childish. I love it. Some of you know it as well. I sing a song of the saints of God. It paints them in sort of quaint terms as it imagines one who's a doctor and one who's a queen and one who's a shepherdess on a green. I don't know any shepherdesses, but I'd like to meet one one day. The hymn says, they were all of them saints of God, and I mean God helping to be one too. The hymn offers other images. One was a soldier, one was a priest. I'm glad that's included. One was slain by a fierce wild beast. And there's not any reason, no, not the least, why I shouldn't be one too. Saints are all kinds of people. These two holy days, the Feast of All Saints and Tomorrow All Souls, often get a little confused in the church's celebrations and perhaps in our hearts, and and that's all right. All Saints Day originally was a day for remembering the red-letter saints, the the famous saints, the saints in stained glass windows, and the saints that we, we know from sculpture and art and stories. All Souls Day was the more intimate version. That was kind of the family side of things, when we would get together and usually then would remember the names of our beloved dead. The two days are for remembering and giving thanks for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and clinging to the assurance that we have for eternal life. Thanks be to God for the famous saints and their stories, for those whose lives inspire us and strengthen us. But thanks be to God, especially for those who remind us that we get closest to God by by being fully human, by being most ourselves. Thanks be to God for all those who are named and unnamed, those we have loved, who have died in the faith. May they rest in peace and rise in glory. And finally, thanks be to God for giving us this life of faith, this mysterious and wonderful life of faith that keeps us together as one family through life, through death, and into life eternal. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.